Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. In the mid-2010s, a journalist named Garrett Graff was approached by a co-worker who wanted to ask him about something odd he had found in a parking garage near the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Garrett wrote for the prestigious political magazine The Washingtonian, and his specialty was reporting within the intelligence community. His co-worker had stumbled on an odd-looking badge that someone had apparently dropped on the ground. The badge looked like it could have belonged to someone within the Washington intelligence community, and the person who found it passed it along to Graff to get his insights. The front looked similar to many federal employee badges, but on the back, there was a map. In fact, there were driving directions leading outside of Washington, D.C. into the forests of West Virginia before stopping abruptly at the end of a road, seemingly vanishing into the side of a remote mountain. Knowing that he was in possession of something that potentially held a tightly controlled secret, Graf did what any good journalist would do. He found out what was at the end of that road. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something. Season 3, Leviathan. Chapter 3, The Eye of Providence After Graf was given the strange, government-issued ID badge, he went to his computer, where he decided to follow the driving directions printed on the back. The directions would take the driver outside of the beltway, driving for hours into the forest. It was there, in the wilds of West Virginia, that Garrett saw something odd on the satellite images. At the end of that road, or at least what the Google Maps satellite images showed, was what appeared to be a small, discreet guard shack. Behind it, and an oddly placed fence in the middle of the forest, were massive, concrete doors. After several months of investigative reporting and talking to sources within the intelligence community, Graf realized that he had found a highly secretive underground bunker that's part of what's known as, quote, the relocation arc. A massive series of bunkers, many of which are built into the sides of hollowed-out mountains, begin in Pennsylvania, stretch through parts of Virginia, Maryland, and West Virginia before ending in North Carolina. And these aren't just bunkers. They are top-secret, fully operational cities built literally underground. One, known as the Raven Rock Mountain Complex, is so massive that it's comprised of 68 individual buildings, some of which are several floors high. All of them are hidden within a mountain. This secret underground city is so massive that it has its own fire department and police department. The city, buried within a mountain, could hold at least 5,000 residents, 
And though much of the relocation arc of secret cities is built underneath mountains, not all of them are. There's a large estately resort in West Virginia called the Greenbrier. It's an objectively beautiful place. The massive historic resort and its surrounding Versailles-inspired gardens first opened in the late 1700s, and today it hosts things like tennis, golf, and equestrian tournaments, but it's drawn visits from celebrities and 26 U.S. presidents. But if you were to shell out the $700 to stay overnight at the Greenbrier, you probably wouldn't realize that the estate it's actually sitting on top of another secret city. At more than 112,000 square feet, the facility underneath the Greenbrier Resort, which was a tightly held secret before a reporter from the Washington Post exposed it in the early 90s, can literally serve as a mini Washington, D.C. Sitting behind a concealed 25-ton blast door that serves as an entrance to the bunker are meeting rooms, a governor's hall, cafeterias, dormitories for hundreds of people, and even a TV studio. Remember, this was a secret facility hidden underneath a historic resort. So, who is behind these underground cities that covertly stretch down a large portion of the east coast of the United States? In Graf's fantastic book, Raven Rock, the story of the U.S. government's secret plan to save itself while the rest of us die. As the subtitle explains, for decades, these types of bunkers have regularly been built in secret by the U.S. government. According to government officials, these bunkers, which, honestly, we only know of a small portion of, are meant to provide critical infrastructure and safety to government officials and select VIPs in case of a global disaster. The thinking is that if something catastrophic happens, these secret facilities can ensure that someone is in charge and can lead from a safe hidden location. But there sure are a lot of these hidden around the country. Though many of them, like the one at the Greenbrier, were built in secret during the Cold War, some of the secret facilities are currently being run by FEMA. The Federal Emergency Management Agency operates within the Department of Homeland Security and is in charge of responding to major disasters. In fact, FEMA has its own set of bunkers hidden in remote locations. Okay, on the surface, this all sounds pretty creepy. I mean, the government building secret underground facilities to house the powerful while society burns? That's not very reassuring. But if looked at rationally, it does kind of make sense. Looked at in a grim, situational vacuum, if there's any chance of preserving social order in the aftermath of an unimaginable disaster, having functional civil institutions seems pretty important. But these facilities, which were never meant to be exposed, also help to fuel conspiracies that are based on the presumption that powerful forces are hiding something. And those powerful forces, according to the theories, are so fixated on self-preservation that they're willing to do anything to protect themselves. In this case, those suspicions, I mean, they were kind of right. Not only were government agencies hiding secret facilities in remote mountains, they were also brazen enough to build one on the grounds of a popular resort. At this point, it's not a question if powerful people are building secretive cities to protect themselves in case of the unimaginable. No, the question is just where. And in this case, it's not a conspiracy theory. Regardless of their motives, people literally conspired to do this. Okay, keeping all of this in mind, I want to discuss one of the strangest conspiracy theories that has been fueled by internet lore. And this one just might hold the next clue to the mystery we've been unpacking so far this season. Okay, here's a good place to mention that if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, you should probably do that before continuing much further. All right, now I want to play you something. Ah! 
The footage you're about to see has been hidden from public view until now. This archival footage exposes some of the weirdest and most frightening theories about Denver International Airport. From demonic horses to aliens, feast your eyes, if you dare. Since opening in 1995, some people have come up with wild, emphasis on wild, conspiracy theories about the airport that are unheard of and unfounded. Exactly. Have you heard about the horse? Ugh. That's a clip from a promotional YouTube video produced by United Airlines, the major international airlines based in the U.S. Released the week of Halloween last year. That's 2020 if you're listening to this podcast when it first came out. The video's intention is to debunk persistent internet rumors about the Denver International Airport. So, what makes this airport so sinister? Let's start with the horse mentioned in the clip. When visitors arrive by car to Denver International Airport, they must drive past a 32-foot-tall, 9,000-pound statue of a massive, bucking blue horse. But there's something kind of off about the horse. For one, it looks emaciated. You can see its ribs from underneath its skin, and it has bright red veins jetting up its sides. Its expression? Pretty terrifying. And oh yeah, its eyes light up bright red. It's no wonder it's gained the nickname Blucifer. The statue also has a tragic backstory. It literally killed the artist who created it. Just before the artist could officially finish the statue, a piece broke off and severed an artery in his leg. But the demonic-looking blue horse is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the unsettling artwork in the airport, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, a little history of Denver International. Since the beginning, the airport has been controversial. When it opened in 1995, it was nearly a year and a half behind schedule and more than $2 billion over budget. That's billion with a B. And it's been added on to since. In fact, right now, Denver International is home to one of the largest runways in the entire world. It's big enough to handle military aircrafts. And the airport itself, it's enormous. Covering more than 52 square miles, it dwarfs every other airport in America. That is, despite barely even cracking the top five in terms of how many travelers actually even use the airport. Okay, just for some context, Denver International Airport is one and a half times the size of Manhattan. Okay, also, curiously, the airport that it replaced in the mid-90s was actually even closer to downtown Denver. Denver International, it's kind of inconvenient to get to. Also, there's the layout. When looked at from above, the runways do kind of resemble a swastika. For this one though, there does seem to be a clear answer. A spokeswoman for Denver International Airport explained to the Telegraph newspaper in 2015 that the odd layout of the runways actually have a strategic purpose. She said this quote, Denver International Airport's six runways do not cross and can be used simultaneously in any weather condition. All of Denver International Airport's runways support the largest jets currently flying, end quote. She added this, we think the shape looks like a pinwheel, end quote. Okay, fair enough. That's actually a pretty rational explanation for the weird layout of the runways. But let's talk about the tunnels. Even though the grounds that Denver International Airport sits on is enormous, it's nothing compared to what's underneath it. The airport was supposed to be home to an innovative baggage handling system that would use an elaborate tunnel system to move bags around the massive airport. The only strange thing is, the baggage system, it never worked. Back in 1994, when the airport was still under construction, reporters went to go see it, curious about what was causing the extended delays. They witnessed something strange. 
The system was so badly malfunctioning that it was spraying loose clothes from luggage everywhere. Okay, so I want to pause there for a sec. The multi-billion dollar luggage system that required the construction of an elaborate tunnel system, it appeared to be completely botched. There's also unconfirmed rumors of six-story buildings hidden underneath the airport grounds. And even though those rumors are officially hearsay, there is a massive underground train system. All right, on the surface, none of these strange facts offer any sort of smoking gun evidence that something weird is actually going on underneath Denver International Airport. But for a minute, we need to talk about the symbols. Okay, just for a reminder, we're investigating a couple of mysteries this season. Namely, are powerful people conspiring to control humanity? And as the Georgia Guidestones seem to suggest, are they preparing to institute a new world order following some sort of global catastrophe? When we started investigating these mysteries, something became evident. It seems like symbols and hidden codes, they seem to be really significant. And in the Denver International Airport, a lot of people claim that these codes and symbols, they're hiding in plain sight. In the airport's Great Hall, there's a large piece of solid granite that serves as the building's dedication capstone. Remember from the Guidestones? They too were made of solid granite. In fact, the Guidestones were built in Georgia because of its proximity to granite quarries. For the Freemasons, one of the earliest secret societies and fraternal orders, granite holds practical but also symbolic significance. And the most prominent thing etched onto the capstone in the Denver International Airport is the symbol of the Freemasons known as the square and the compass. The two architectural tools hold significant symbolic meanings during Freemason rituals. The capstone also says that placed beneath it is a time capsule that contains a special message. A message that is meant to be unearthed in the year 2094. The capstone also says that the airport was the work of the, quote, New World Airport Commission, end quote. The only strange thing is, there is no New World Airport Commission, much less one in charge of a multi-billion dollar facility in the middle of America. So if this strange group, the New World Airport Commission, doesn't actually exist, why are they acknowledged on the massive granite stone in the airport's Great Hall? That too... It's still a mystery. In recent years, airlines and airport officials have tried to make light of internet conspiracies about the airport, even debunking them in public statements. Let's listen to another portion of a clip from that United Airlines video from last year. But there are so many other signs that fuel these conspiracy theories. Like, take a look at this. New World Airport Commission? Who are they? I've heard that that's a moniker for the Illuminati. The New World Airport Commission is a completely made-up name. When we opened in 1995, we were a new type of global airport. Huh? That answer doesn't even make any sense. Why would the people in charge of the building give credit to a group that, quote, never existed? It's also a completely different explanation than the one that an official airport spokesperson provided to the Telegraph. She seemed to suggest that it was some sort of typo and a critical punctuation mark was somehow left out. She said this, quote, it's actually the new M-World Airport Commission. It was designed by a planning and advocacy group consisting of local business and political leaders. The group has absolutely no association with the, quote, New World Order, end quote. Okay, so she's suggesting that the master stonemasons that etched the capstones made a typo? There's also one more critical fact. There is no World Airport Commission either, much less a new one. Her explanation, it doesn't really make any sense. Look, there could very well be a rational explanation for the strange message on the capstone, but the airport, it's given inconsistent stories about it. 
A blog on the airport's official website, flydenver.com, dismissively says this. After some digging, it was discovered that no such group exists. Not now. Not when the airport was built. Not ever. End quote. Again, that's not really an explanation for why it was put there in the first place. There's also the artwork that's found throughout the facilities. Along with the creepy blue horse, Denver International is home to murals and elaborate displays throughout the entire facility. And some? They're pretty unsettling. One large mural, it depicts a figure in a military-style trench coat wearing a gas mask while holding an automatic rifle in one hand and a sword in the other. The sword? It appears to be piercing the chest of a dove. Around the figure are the blown-out ruins of buildings, several kids hiding in the rubble, and a woman weeping. That woman? She's holding the body of a dead child. The mural is called Children of the World Dream of Peace, and it actually has another totally separate section. In that portion, children from around the world celebrate on top of the dead body of the soldier. In the lower right-hand corner of the first image, barely noticeable, is a piece of paper that contains the words of a poem written by an actual child who died in a Nazi concentration camp. Here's the words of that poem. I was once a little child who longed for other worlds, but I am no more a child, for I have known fear. I have learned to hate how tragic, then, is youth, which lives with enemies with gallows ropes. Yet I still believe I only sleep today, that I'll wake up a child again, start to laugh and play. Okay, so even if the artist's intention is to show the horrors of war and the power of people coming together, it's an odd collection of imagery to have on display in a commercial airport, especially one with almost no connection to World War II. Another odd mural prominently displayed in the airport is titled, In Peace and Harmony with Nature. It also has two sections. Okay, just a quick note before I describe that mural. I'm not saying that the two are connected, but the idea of, quote, harmony with nature is a major theme of the Georgia Guidestones. Okay, it might just be a weird coincidence. Here's what's on the mural. The first section shows children who are carrying small animals inside of glass cages, terrifyingly fleeing a large fire. In the corner, a deceased girl lies in an open casket. It's a really, really dark image. However, the second mural, it strikes a different tone, but it's also kind of unsettling. In it, children and animals appear to gather around and possibly worship a colorful, glowing plant. Again, the artist could have intended for a lot of different meanings to be associated with the works, but they're just not the kind of visuals you expect to see when switching flights. There's some other odd touches to the airport as well. Above the baggage claim, there are sculptures of gargoyles emerging from suitcases. They're not playful either. They're realistic, and they're kind of scary. Again, in recent years, officials at Denver International have openly leaned into the weirdness and even incorporated the conspiracy theories into their marketing. On their official website, they even acknowledge all of the internet rumors. In a snarky blog post about the strangeness at the airport, they write this. There's a plaque placed over a time capsule that also has a Masonic square, a compass symbol, and an inscription that gives the time capsule's contents to the people of Colorado in 2094, all symbols of Freemasonry, and yes, the Illuminati. Additionally, the airport building costs were more expensive than originally thought. Theorists believe this money went to building the headquarters. Rumor has it, they screwed up the first few buildings, and instead of getting rid of them, they buried them and built them on top of them to make one super cool, super secret underground lair. It continues. In addition to the Illuminati HQ, 
It is rumored that there are several underground baggage tunnels just waiting to house the world's elite when the world comes to an end. They added this. The apocalypse? We're ready for it. That's on their official website. I mean, look, I get the idea of being self-aware, but still, it's all just so weird, and it doesn't really do anything to quell conspiracies. Okay, speaking of the conspiracies, let's unpack what they're suggesting. Okay, so according to the conspiracy theorist, the reason that Denver International Airport is so astoundingly large is because it isn't just a commercial airline. Like the Greenbrier Resort or dozens of remote mountains across the U.S., it is actually covering something else. The real Denver Airport, they say, is hiding something. Advocates for the theory suggest that the real reason it went billions over budget isn't because, quote, building costs were more expensive than originally thought, end quote. That's as the airport suggests. It's because billions went in to create a massive underground city. And the construction of that city, it stretched on for months. According to the theories, when reporters and local officials got suspicious, the baggage system malfunction was used as a ruse that could buy them more time. The real reason for the massive scope of the otherwise unnotable airport is actually, according to the conspiracy theorists, is that it's home to the New World Order and that they will use the facility as a headquarters following some sort of global catastrophe. According to this theory, all of the weird symbols, murals, and even the direct calling card of the Freemasons, they serve two purposes. Like the symbols Thomas Paine is rumored to have helped placed on our currency, they are clues for those perceptive enough to recognize them. But they are also meant to throw people off the scent. The logic is, if it really was home to a new world order of global elites, why would they advertise it openly? It's like a cornered Walt White jokingly claiming to be Heisenberg. It's so preposterous, it can't be true. Right? Okay, so let's look at this theory more closely. There are rational explanations for most of the oddities at Denver International Airport. I mean, look, art, it's meant to be provocative. The airport is huge because it's 25 miles outside the city and was built in the middle of nowhere where there's plenty of space. But look, like we explained earlier this episode, the government does build hidden, highly secured underground cities. So it's certainly not implausible that something could be under there. The thing that's intriguing, though, is the New World Airport Commission capstone that contains the massive Freemason symbol. It's objectively weird that that capstone exists, and literally no one can explain it. But what makes it extra intriguing is that it has some connection to the symbols that are at the core of all of the mysteries, those of Freemasonry. Remember, there is plausible evidence connecting both the Georgia Guidestones and possibly the Oak Island Treasure to a medieval secret society known as the Rosicrucians. Believed to be heavily influenced by the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians believed in unlocking hidden secrets and passing them along through secret codes, symbols, and writings. They would also recruit the rich and powerful, creating secret societies and alliances within powerful institutions. Thomas Paine, the founding father who worked closely with the Rosicrucians, wrote passionately about Freemasonry and ancient advanced societies like the Egyptians. He too was obsessed with symbols, and he's rumored to have brought one of the most closely associated with Freemason into American iconography. Along with the square and compass, the Freemasons are closely associated with another widely recognized symbol. It's called the Eye of Providence. You might recognize this all-seeing eye. It's shown on the back of a dollar bill on top of what appears to be an Egyptian pyramid. Many believe that this symbol, it actually dates back to the time of the Egyptians. You've probably seen it. It's called the Eye of Horus. The symbol has deep significance and was linked to temple rituals. Horus was the god of the sky and was notable for how he was depicted in ancient Egyptian art. He had the body of a man and the head of a falcon. 
It's that eye, the eye from the falcon's head, that serves as a core of Masonic symbolism. The eye can also be found on certain ceremonially significant gold rings worn by high-ranking Freemasons to this day. But the Eye of Providence, as it's become known, is not Horace's only contribution to strange imagery that's been co-opted by secret societies. In Egyptian mythology, the child version of Horus is known as Harpocrates. To indicate his youth in Egyptian imagery, he is depicted as a boy with his head tilted, innocently holding his finger just below his lips. However, the ancient Romans, who too were fascinated by Egyptian imagery, misinterpreted the significance of Harpocrates' finger placement, thinking he was making the universal sign of silence. The noted Roman scholar Marcus Varro wrote this before the first century, that Hippocrates' finger, quote, makes a sign to me to be quiet. The first century Roman poet Ovid speculated that the young Horus was actually, quote, the god who holds his finger to his lips for silence sake. All right, so why is this important? If the conspiracies are hinting at some sort of actual truth, it means that the symbols have to actually mean something. And speaking of symbols, there's one more that's associated with Freemasonry, particularly at top ultra-secret levels of the organization, that seems worth addressing. It's that of an eagle with two heads. In fact, the double-headed eagle is the official symbol of a group known as the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Essentially, it's an elite secret society with its own temples around the world within another secret society. One other quick note about the group that claims the double-headed eagle as their symbol. In England, where they originated from in the early 1800s, they aren't known as the Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. They're known as the Rose Cross. So what's the significance of these symbols and hidden codes? Where is this all headed? How are these Egyptian symbols all connected to the larger mystery? Well, the next clue, it may be the symbols themselves. Because several of these symbols, they show up in a really strange movie that is laced with some very dark messages. To this day, this film remains one of the most controversial ever to star one of Hollywood's most bankable actors. It's a film where the sign of the young Horus, the Eye of Providence, and the double-headed eagle are all hidden within. And the movie? It's about elite, devious secret societies. And it's a film whose writer and director died suddenly before it could be officially completed. What's the messages hidden within this film that could hold the next clue to our mystery? Well, that's next time on Hiding Something. Hiding Something is an ironclad original. All episodes are written by me, Jesse Carey. Our post-production producer is Chandler Strang. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to connect with more listeners of the show, be sure to check out the Hiding Something subreddit. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time.